Philippians chapter 4, uh, reading verses 1 to 9. We'll be focusing mainly on verses 4 to 9 later, but we'll read from the start of the chapter, uh, page 1180. This is God's word. <coughs> Excuse me. Therefore, my brothers, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. I plead with Yodia and I plead with Syntyche to agree with each other in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, loyal yoke fellow, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving present your request to God, and the peace of God which, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. It's said that confession is good for the soul and I begin this morning with a, a personal confession. Uh, from time to time, I think it's, it's a good thing for a minister to confess to his or her congregation uh, at the very least, it shows that we are human, as humans everyone else, and it also keeps us from getting too big for our boots. My confession is that recently I've been grumbling and complaining, even more than usual, you might say. Uh, someone said to Anne in the house the other day, uh, did you wake up grumpy this morning? She said, no, I just let him sleep. <laughs> Old joke, uh, but I'm being serious. You know, sometimes I have a right rant, uh, usually to Mike or to Anne, but recently I've found myself grumbling, going over things in my head about Lega Curry, constructing imaginary conversations, moaning and generally gurning. Now that's a confession for a minister to make. And to be honest, when I take a step back from it, I recognize that it is self-indulgent, it's self-centered, it's filled with pride, or self-pity, and for no real reason. And at the root, it is both a lack of faith and a slight on the goodness of God, and, an, and is offensive to him. Uh, it's as if I think that God is not in control, and that's shameful. And I start with this confession because I want you to know that in what I am about to say, I'm not excluding myself or setting myself above anyone, nor am I picking in anyone, but using broad brush strokes that include me, first of all. Paul tells us in Philippians 2.14, do everything without grumbling or arguing. Recently, there have been grumbling on Kirk Session and Committee about renovation work and Christmas projects. Recently, there's been grumbling about the development of our prayer room there's been grumbling in the congregation about the role some folk play in different youth organizations, grumbling about the lack of help or the difficulty of getting people to help with the same people uh, being called upon time and again. 
There are people in the congregation who have virtually not spoken to others for about the past 18 months because the others took a different view on the accommodation vote. There has been grumbling that the minister hasn't visited even when our most able assistant has been there more than once. I rarely remember a time in the past 18 years when there hasn't been some kind of grumbling somewhere about praise and worship. And that's not to say that Legge Curry is full of grumbling and arguing. Very, very, very far from it. But these are some of the grumbles that have been going on, and God commands us to do everything without grumbling or arguing. Now, of course, there are genuine concerns, rightly and properly, but grumbling and arguing isn't the way to deal with it. And, of course, there are differences of opinion, but grumbling and arguing isn't the way to deal with it. And, of course, there can be demands on time and energy and commitment, but grumbling and arguing is not the way to deal with it. Grumbling and arguing dishonors God. Grumbling and arguing uh, are set in 1 Corinthians 10, are set in the context, interestingly, of idolatry. One, one pastor wrote this. He says, grumbling is an act of me first. It says that the most important person on the planet, me, has been treated unfairly, and it's time for it to stop. Grumbling is idolatrous, for it places oneself above the ways and will of God. It is sin. It is aimed at God before it is aimed at all the people that we grumble about. It was grumbling and complaining that got the people of Israel into trouble in the wilderness when they forgot how much God had done for them and bringing them out of slavery in Egypt. Grumbling and complaining, moaning and complaining and arguing, being self-indulgent and self-centered, feeling proud or sorry for ourselves, these are all things that cause bitter roots to grow up. And we're instructed in Hebrews 12 to make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it. See how emphatic that is. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Grumbling and complaining cause bitter roots to grow up in churches. And we forget how much God has done for us in Christ Jesus, saving us from slavery and sin. Bitter roots produce a harvest of division. And Paul strongly speaks against division to the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 1.10, he says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another on what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. And he comes back to it again in 1 Corinthians 12. God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division for each but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. <clears throat> so let me pause there and let us take a breath. Because sometimes ministers have to say hard things to themselves as well as to everyone else. But let's pause and take a breath and examine ourselves. Have you, like me, been grumbling and complaining recently? Arguing, even arguing with others in your head and in your heart? Have you been allowing bitter roots to grow, bitter roots that lead to division? Do you, like me, need to confess? 
Have we together as a body been allowing bitter roots to grow among us? And if so, how can we nip that in the bud before it goes any further? For brothers and sisters, we have a very strong adversary who is always on the prowl, who is always seeking how he can stir up strife and cause division. Divide and conquer could be one of Satan's mantras. 1 Peter 5, 8. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking for someone to devour. And sometimes we are not victims but willing accomplices. Entitled this sermon, Guard Your Heart, because there's no point in me confessing to you and then doing nothing about it. And there's no point in complaining about complaining and doing nothing about it. In fact, Mark Twain thought that there's no point in complaining anyway, because he said, don't complain and talk about all your problems. 80% of people don't care. And the other 20% think you deserve them anyway. (laughs) So sometimes the matter of grumbling and arguing needs to be brought out into the open. It needs to be exposed and it needs to be seen for what it is and it needs to be dealt with. We expose it for what it is because this is not who we are in Christ, brothers and sisters. We are saved for better than this. We, are, we who, are, who are in Christ through saving faith are those in whom Christ lives through his spirit. We are children and ambassadors of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And we are to behave with the dignity of children and ambassadors of the King. Not only must we behave with the dignity of children of the King, but we can Because the very Holy Spirit of God lives in us and imparts to us the very life of Christ. And he reminds us and he reassures us that sin shall no longer be your master because you're not under law but under grace, Romans 6.14. And this is not a command. It's not saying to you, look, don't allow sin to be your master anymore. This is a declaration of God. It is saying that because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ in your lives, sin will no longer be your master because you are not under law. You are under grace. You have been saved by grace and therefore you can say no to sin and you can no longer say, I can't help myself. You can no longer say, I can't help myself. It's just the way I am. We can say no to sin. I call this sermon, Guard Your Heart. Why guard your heart? Because that is where grumbling and complaining and arguing and bitter roots and divisions stem from. They don't come from outside us, from what other people have said or done, or not done or, or not said. They come from inside us. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. And Luke 6.45, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. In the cold light of day, therefore, I have to admit to myself that when I grumble and moan and complain outwardly, 
It's because of what I've been storing up in my heart. And I need to deal with that before the throne of God. What are you storing up in your hearts? So let's get down to the passage that I read earlier and ask, how do we do that? How do we guard our heart? And if you want to empty the air out of a cup, you fill it with something better. You fill it with something else. Maybe not better, but something else. But a good person brings good things out of the good stored up in their hearts. And I want, us to, I want to draw five things out of this passage in Philippians that if you and I put them into practice, they will help us to fill our hearts with good things so that good things will then find their way out of our hearts to others. And the first one is our focus. Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, verse 4. Uh, the, the book of Hebrews tells us to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. It was for the joy set before him or ahead of him that he endured the cross. He wanted so much to have us with him in communion with him in heaven that he endured the cross for us. And when we think consistently, daily, on what Jesus did for us on the cross, then where can grumbling and complaining fit into that? Have, have any of us even come remotely close to shedding our own blood for the sake of Christ and the cross and the church? Have any of us come even remotely close to being able to pay a fragment of the cost that Jesus paid for us so what grounds have we to complain and moan? Jesus, the Lord of eternity, gave himself because he loves us. Rejoice, therefore. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. And to give emphasis to it, Paul says it again. Rejoice. Rejoice not on the things that irritate and frustrate us and lead us to grumble, but rejoice daily, regularly on Jesus. Fill our thoughts with thoughts of Jesus and what he has done for us. Focus on him and our grumbling will begin to get out of focus. So first of all, our focus. And then secondly, our attitude. Verse 5, let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Gentleness and humility as we looked at in Matthew not so long ago, are very closely linked in the, in the New Testament. Gentleness and humility, and we could link them to other phrases such as, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, and consider others above yourself, or the person who wants to be great in the kingdom of God must be the servant of all. How we think about God and rejoice in him and how we think about ourselves in relation to others with humility and gentleness will help us to guard our hearts and a further incentive mentioned here is recognizing that the lord is not far away but he is near at all times so focus on jesus watch our attitudes and the third thing to help us from grumbling and, and from better roots is our prayer life do not be anxious about anything but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Verses 6 and 7. Turn it all over to God. The things that irritate and annoy us, that cause us to grumble. 
It's harder to be anxious when we're talking to God, who is the sovereign of the whole universe. Yes, we petition God, we present our request to God, but we do it with thanksgiving, set in the context of thanksgiving first. So when someone in the church annoys you or irritates you and you feel, like gr- you feel the grumbling starting, take a moment to thank God for that person or to thank God for that set of circumstances and then present your request to God. Are they now selfish? Are they now self-centered? Are they dictating to God what he ought to do? Or are they now for the benefit of the person you've just thanked God for? See, when we do this, we're, we're not assured that God will work things out according to our plan, the way that we think things should be done or what other people should do or should not do. He may well work out how he feels it should be as he, as he will do. But what he does promise us, promise us is that when we pray in this way with thanksgiving, is that the peace of God which transcends all understanding will keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. He will give us peace and draw us away from the grumbling, complaining attitude. So our, our, our focus, our attitude, our prayer life And our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus and our our thought lives are therefore very important. And the fourth one is this, our thought life. Verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So when you think complaining, grumbling thoughts, especially when they're about another person, and ask yourself, are these thoughts true for a start? Are these thoughts noble? Are they right? Are they pure? Are they lovely? Are they admirable? Are they excellent or praiseworthy? And take out one hard thought and replace it with a softer one and then another and then another. And of course, this involves talking to ourselves, being honest with ourselves. And it also involves talking to God. Lord, What is there about Joe Bloggs that is true and noble and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy? Show me these things, Lord. Help me to think about these things, Lord. Help me to store up these things in my heart, Lord, so that out of my heart, these are the things that will come. A change of thinking is often begun by a change of actions, and that's the fourth one. Our focus, our attitude, our prayer life, our thought life, And finally, our actions. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Sometimes we may not feel terribly loving towards someone, but we can act lovingly towards them. Sometimes we might feel feel terribly gentle or humble towards someone, but we can act gently begin by our actions. The people that we're grumbling about, we can act lovingly, gently, graciously towards them. And if you haven't been speaking to someone, start speaking to them. Often right actions help right thinking. And the quote Nike, just do it. Just do it. 
I, I was rebuked this week in preparing this. I was rebuked by a quote from Charles Harden Spurgeon. Uh, he says, A heavy wagon was being dragged along a country lane by a team of oxen. The axles groaned and creaked terribly so that the oxen turned round and spoke to the wheels. Hey there, why do you make so much noise? We bear all the burden. We, not you, ought to cry out. And Spurgeon goes on, The gift of grumbling is largely dispensed among those who have no other talents or who keep what they have wrapped in a napkin. That was a good dig in the ribs for me uh, during the week. So we have these five points to help us with this fight against grumbling. Five points to help us to guard our hearts, to kill bitter roots, and so to honor God and one another. Our focus our attitude, our prayer life, our thought life, our actions. Do everything, do everything, do everything without grumbling or arguing. Those who have ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Amen.